And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Ready to form Voltron! This is a job for Superman. Power Rangers! Right away, Michael. Autobots, transform! By the power of Grayskull! For the honor of Grayskull! I'm the Doctor. And welcome to Charlie's Geekcast. I am your host, Charlie Neymar, and today we are returning to Gotham City, to the animated DC Universe, technically. Uh, we're not looking at one of the old comics this time. Uh, I say old, from the 90s. Oh God, it's almost 30-something years old now, right? Oh. Anyway, we're not looking at those. Today, I am going to be taking a look at a comic book that was just released on April the 1st, and as you hear this... It's going to be just a week or two after that. Today I'm looking at Batman The Adventures Continue, a digital first comic series being released uh, digitally, obviously, uh, from DC Comics that is continuing the animated Batman universe. As such, there will be spoilers. So if you want to be reading this and have it yet, you really need to hold off, read it, and then you can come back. I don't mind. I can wait. Not that long. I mean, I gotta record the episode anyway. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go ahead and jump right into this issue. Batman The Adventures Continue number one was released on April 1st, 2020 on digital services. Cover price was 99 cents. The cover art was done by Dave Johnson. The first issue is Hardware Part 1, written by Alan Burnett and Paul Dini. Art by Ty Templeton. Color by Monica Kubina. Letterer is Joshua Reed, and the editor is Andrew Marino. And Batman was created by Bob Kane with Bill Finger. Swinging out of the sky is Batman, getting ready to take on Bane on a Gotham rooftop. 
Batman lays a punch down, but it doesn't really affect Bane, who grabs the Dark Knight and lifts him over his head, promising to break him! Fortunately, Batman had hit him with a tranquilizer dart about 30 minutes ago, and it finally works its way through Bane's system and knocks him out, leaving Batman to note that next time, he's going to need to quadruple the dose and the darts. Thinking the tough part of the evening is over, Batman is surprised to see a giant robot causing destruction down the street. As he swings off to try to stop the robot, a shadowy figure watches Batman from, you know, the shadows. As the robot busts into Wayne Tech, this character notes that this is going to get personal for our hero. Inside, the robot launches explosives, possibly killing the scientists inside. It's hard to tell. As it grabs a vault, Batman confronts it and is quickly shot at. While Batman is busy dodging the blasts, the robot busts out with Batman giving chase. He tosses three explosive batterings at the robot, but despite the large explosion, the robot is unharmed and throws a semi at Batman. While Batman dodges, the robot flies off with a whoosh. Later in the Batcave, deep below Wade Manor, Batman has been unable to find any trace of the robot. However it flies, it doesn't leave behind any kind of heat signature to follow. Also, it turns out that the vault that was stolen contains alien hardware that was being studied by Wayne Enterprises as a favor to Superman. Meanwhile, Alfred has brought down a suit for Bruce to wear to a cocktail party at the Cloud Nine that evening. Although Bruce initially declines, Alfred thinks he'll change his mind once he hears about the surprise guest. At the party, Bruce is talking to Veronica Vreeland about their previous relationship, when they're interrupted by Lex Luthor. They talk a bit about previous encounters and the theft of the previous evening. Lex points out that Superman would have flattened the robot, but when Bruce jokingly asks for his number, Lex points out that Superman hasn't been around since he was involved in a big battle on the far side of the moon the previous week. Later, in what is presumably the same evening, Bruce calls Clark from the Batcave, but gets his voicemail. Combine that with the fact that Superman would have already been in Gotham if he had heard about the robot, and Luther's claim of Superman's disappearance appears to be true. Batman heads out to Claremont Airfield, figuring it to be the perfect hiding spot for a giant robot on the run. After taking out the guard, he attaches a scanner to the robot to find out more about it. While that is doing its thing, he then checks out the vault to see that the combination has not yet been cracked. But before he can actually do any kind of celebrating or get too excited about it, he's hit from behind by some sort of a blast and is confronted by Lex Luthor in his power suit. Next in the clutches of Luther. Alright, so getting into the nuts and bolts of the nicky-picky parts of the issue, because I'm a podcaster and that's what I do. Uh, first, we'll look at the cover. There's two parts when you down when you download the digital version. There's like a, sh- a smaller one that fits the widescreen, because these are all... This whole comic, being digital, is more of a widescreen thing, so you can turn your tablet sideways, or it fits the your computer monitor or laptop mo- uh, screen better. So the first cover that is on it is the lengthwise version like you would see on an actual printed copy of the comic. Which apparently these will be printed later, although as I'm recording this, basically because of the coronavirus, printing of comics has kind of been halted for a while. So digital only is the only way we're going to get these for a while. From what I've heard, this series and some other digital first issue comics will continue. I don't know if that's every comic is going to continue digitally and then we'll get printed later i'm not sure how that's going to affect things but i have heard i think it was from a ty templeton responded that this being digital first anyway uh it will come out normally 
Anyway, uh, so you have the long lengthwise version that you would see on a printed copy, and then you have I don't know, a wide version or a zoomed-in version, however you want to look at it. Uh, this the, the cover by Dave Johnson actually conforms more to a simplified version of his art rather than really the animated art. It uh, doesn't really follow the Bruce Tim model sheet very well with the musculature. And I would say it's closer maybe to the Young Justice body type rather than the Bruce Tim body type. Uh, but it does convey the animated style real well with the red sky and the bright red, the bright red, the bright white moon in the right in the middle of the image. And the villain designs on the building very much evoke the animated series. It's just their faces for the most part, and they do look pretty much like they do in the animated style. Uh, one of them is Poison Ivy, who actually looks more like the original animated series design more than the New Adventures design. There is the Joker, of course. Mr. Freeze, Two-Face, Man-Bat, Catwoman, I think that's the Phantasm, Deathstroke the Terminator, uh, Riddler, Harley Quinn, and I think that's Etrigan the Demon? At first I thought Etrigan, or I thought Man-Bat was Etrigan, and I wasn't sure who the other person was. I think it's Etrigan. It's either that or uh, Darth Maul's coming to the Batman animated book, I don't know. Anyway, uh, the title page, which is the next page, which is basically the credits page, it actually harkens back to the the thing they used to do on the original animated series with the um, title card, where it was usually some kind of painted thing that would tie into the episode and include the title, and they'd also put the credits over it. Well, that's what basically what they've done here. Uh, you've got the title card, although really it's just a silhouetted version of the Batman figure in the, on the first page of the story. And it's got the title and the credits and everything you need. Uh, let's see. So moving into the story now, page one of the actual story. There's captions here. And it threw me off because the animated books haven't usually used captions. I don't know that we've ever gotten this much into Batman's head on any animated related thing, to be honest. Outside of like Hugo Strange stuff or the, that one Mad Hatter episode where... Bruce is in a dream where he and Batman are separate people. You know, stuff like that. Anyway, also, Batman is wearing his darker, simplified new adventures costume, indicating that this story and this run of comics, I guess, uh, takes place either during or soon after the final episode of the animated series of the animated show from w Kids WB, but before Justice League. Uh, also, one of the things I like is looking at the art on the digital screen. It looks more like stills from high def version of the of an episode a lot better than it does when you're looking at it on a printed page because the printed page you got all the little you see all the dots and everything from printing it and here you you don't have that it just looks like a flat color so it's kind of cool also i have to admit the color choices appear to be spot on monica kubina now i don't know if she's getting notes or what but she seems to be doing a very good job with the with the uh color there are spots where it may not be perfect but for the most part i mean it looks spot on and easily could be seen as a, another episode of the animated series on page two all bane seems to do is pick him up and say he's going to break him that's his go-to thing no matter what version of bane you're watching if you're watching it on the batman or the animated series or what he seems to like to get batman pick him up and go i will break you and i don't know if that's the right accent that's probably not. I don't know. Every time I try to say it, it sounds like Dracula. So I don't think that's right. I will break you and then drink your blood. Ah, 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 ah. And then I will count your bones. One bone, two bones. Ah, ah, ah. Anyway, uh, also on page two, there's a uh, nice little 
bit in the background in the corner of uh, it's a billboard for the Iceberg Lounge, which is a nice little nod. And also it has an image of the penguin. Page three, Bane appears to have had some dental work done. His animation model for the new adventures redesign has him with these scaggly, scraggly teeth. Uh, and here they're perfect. Maybe he's got dentures now or something, but uh, or maybe he got them capped. I don't know. But uh, his teeth are pretty much perfect here. So that's it's something I noticed right away. It's one of those little th- little details that kind of hits you in the head and you got to like, okay, what is it that is, I'm seeing here that is wrong? Uh, page four. There's something off about the city on this page. Uh, well, for one, this whole early part, the sky is more of a bluish color than red, which could be part of it. But also we see... We're looking down this city street where the robot's rampaging. And the buildings just don't look quite like animated Gotham. There's not that Art Deco style to all the buildings. There's a few in the background that are like in dark and silhouette that look like they have the Art Deco style. But the ones we're actually looking at where the robot is coming down the street, they don't really have that Art Deco style. Page 5 would get a bullet cameo. Uh, however, he appears to be drawn more in the original animated style than in his updated version. So I'm not sure about that. That's also something I, fa- I failed to mention, but on the cover, not only Poison Ivy, but the Riddler also has more of his uh, original animated series style with the bowler hat and the, the mask. Granted, not many people like the redesign, and maybe it's an aesthetic choice by Dave Johnson. I don't know. Or it could just be the version that was handed to him for reference. I honestly don't know. But, uh, yeah. Moving up to page six, I'm pretty sure that this mysterious stranger is supposed to be Jason Todd. Now, I'm going to be fully honest here. Outside of, a co- uh, outside of you know, when it was first announced, and pictures of the toys, and I don't know if the toys are completely tied in with this. I would guess they are. Uh, I know there's figures where uh, there's other there's these new characters that have been appearing in the comics that... Ty Templeton has been designing the to- the toy version for, so I would imagine this part of the series is to bring them into this. But this looks like Jason Todd. The way the shadow falls on his face kind of makes a domino mask look on the left side of his face. And the colors he's wearing, it looks like a brown trench coat with, or maybe a greenish brown trench coat with uh, some kind of tight outfit that's dark with red highlights. And if you look in the fur- further away shot, he's got some kind of boots on. And uh, the fact that he knows that Bruce is Batman uh, lead me to believe this is somehow Jason Todd. I'm interested to see how they're going to pull that because there wasn't really much time in the animated universe between Dick Grayson retiring as Robin and Tim Drake starting up as Robin. And there isn't a whole lot of time between Bruce starting off as Batman and bringing in Dick Grayson. So it would be interesting to see where they're bringing in Jason. Or maybe it, he, his background's completely different because it's the animated series instead. I don't know. In fact, part of the thing was that Tim Drake was supposed to be a combination of Jason Todd and Tim Drake. Uh, Tim's name, uh, but Jason's story. So I, I don't know how they're going to work this out. Also, there's this... <laughs> And this is where I'm starting to get a little more nitpicky. There is one spot, uh, one of the panels on this page, where there's a highlight on the glove on Batman, one of Batman's hands, and instead of dark gray, it's flesh tone. 
teeny weeny, but I saw it. Uh, moving up to page nine, Batman uses his grapple here, and it's the original animated one rather than the updated design for the new adventures. However, he's holding a batarang in his hand that is very much the new design, the new adventures redesign rather than the original. But then on page ten, the batarangs have completely changed their design, and he's throwing three of them. And there's no little effect to show that they're supposed to be spinning. It just looks like they're floating in the air. And they, we don't actually see them make contact with the robot, but I'm guessing that him throwing three batarangs at the robot and then the explosion indicates that they're supposed to be explosive batarangs. Plus, if you recall, when we got to the animated, uh, the new Adventures series, one of his big go-to things, because he was hitting going after tougher stuff, and I think he does this a lot in Justice League too, is an exploding battering that he throws. So, yes. So that's why I think, that's why I'm pretty sure they were three explosive batterings. I'm not 100% sure. It's not super clear on the page. Well, the digital page. Moving up to page 15, there's callbacks here between Bruce and Lex that indicate that this is somewhat shortly after the world's finest team up. Uh, it's the only other time we've seen, we saw in the original, in those animated series of Luther and Bruce really interacting. Uh, Batman and Superman did interact, get, did get together a couple more times, but one involved Brainiac and the other one involved Rachel Ghoul. Luther was not there for either of those, neither was the Joker. So, yes, they, they make reference to the world's finest crossover, which is cool. Uh, so we know it's definitely sometime after that. And based on the page earlier of veronica vreeland talking about tim actually that kind of throws it all makes it confusing because she talks like tim was just has just been brought in and bruce says that tim has been around for a while now so i don't know moving up to page 17 uh the bat cave looks a little bare here all you can see and granted there's panels in the way but the Batcave scene is actually behind the panels, the extra panels in the Im So it's really one big Batcave image. And all you can see is the Batcave, Batman and Alfred, the elevator, which looks like a glass tube rather than the elevator it used to be, and the Batcomputer. That's all you see. And I know that there's more equipment. Even before the whole Batman Beyond stuff with the cases and the puppets. I, I, do they have? Did he have the giant coin and the dinosaur by this point? Pretty sure the giant coin of the dinosaur were in this bat cave. Anyway, and then moving up to page 20, I am confused here now. So we've already established or tried to establish where this is continuity wise. He's wearing the New Adventures Batman costume, which indicates that this is either after or during maybe the New Adventures animated show. Based on his talking with Lex Luthor, we know it's after the world's finest and. And obviously Tim is there because they're talking about Tim and he's been there for a while. However, Bullock is its the wrong version of Bullock. We have the wrong grapple. And now we have Lex Luthor wearing the power suit that I could have sworn doesn't show up until he it's created and invented in the Justice League series. So I am overall, I really did enjoy this issue. Um, I can look past the multi-part nature of it because one, it's digital and they're supposed to be this way. Because I think 24 pages of this is only going to be like half a comic printed. Also, it's only 99 cents. It's not like we're having to pay five or four or five dollars to get this one chapter. Also, they usually come out more often. Now, this is not a weekly series. Maybe it's bi-weekly, but it's usually more than monthly. So, you know, 
makes it a little easier to deal with. And mostly it's the price. 99 cents per, for a chapter of this. It's like getting an episode of this of a series downloaded. I mean, I mean, and you got a full story outside of a cliffhanger at the end. While it's true that you really can't go home again, I'd say this comes pretty close. And I hope that we get to see some of the other characters soon because outside of the Bullock cameo and the basically cameo by Veronica Vreeland, we really don't see anybody from Gotham. Even the streets don't look that busy. And, and I'm hoping that we get to see some of the other characters because like the Batcave, Gotham seems to be pretty empty right now. The one thing I liked about like the Go- the Batman Gotham Adventures is that they had the whole team thing. Granted, that was kind of carried down from uh, Kids WB and Warner Brothers and a little bit by DC to keep Batgirl all the time, Robin always showing up, and, every- and Nightwing showing up a lot in the comic. Uh, so it would be nice to see some of that show up here but this is bat back to solo batman but still the animated series usually feels more lived in like there's more people than this so i'm hoping that we see more as we move forward as for my guesses on the mysteries that are here right now uh well you already got my guess on the jason todd thing i'm guessing the robot obviously since luther has possession of it by the end obviously he's involved with it i'm guessing it has something to do with when brainiac uh, was connected to the LexCore systems back in, was it Monster? What's the name of that episode? Ghost in the Machine, I think. Now, we've already had one uh, one sort of episode resolved from that, and that was when Brainiac learned about Wayne Corp and got into Bruce Wayne's head with the nanites, and that result wise why Superman went to Gotham and dressed up as Batman. But now this seems to be another thing, because we're looking at a robot that seems to be more advanced than Earth robots even for this universe, and it flies without jets. So I'm guessing it's some kind of Kryptonian technology. Now, it's possible LexCorp somehow reverse-engineered something that they gleaned from Superman or his rocket or something, because, you know, during that whole invasion thing at the end of the series, I'm pretty sure they had some access to some some things from, like, Star, and I don't know where this also plays out in as far as the Superman animated series, but it's possible it's from that, but I'm really guessing that be, just because of the robotics involved that it has something to do with Brainiac. I'm wondering if Lex has something to do with Superman's disappearance too, because that would be like him, but you know, it, it would be like him also to just forget to mention that to Bruce. Although I have to admit, I have I find it really interesting that all the times that every time there's a big Superman project, they have to bring in Batman for some reason. Just to, I don't know if it's not really to boost sales, but they feel like there's this need to bring in Batman. And it's nice for once that we get a Batman, new Batman project, and they're bringing in all sorts of Superman stuff. We've got Luther, Luther in the power suit, lots of mentions of Superman. Uh, so obviously this is going to tie into that somehow. And I, it's just kind of cool that they've, that they're really tying the shows together with this, uh, with I don't know. I just find it ironic that finally it's the other way around. But uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much all my thoughts on this. Uh, again, uh, the issue just came out. The second one has not come out yet as I'm recording this, uh, but I will be obtaining it upon its release. I don't know if I'm going to do one of these for every issue because with this with my show only coming out every other week, and if the digital book only comes out every other week. That could be really hurting my Superman coverage. So I will come back to this eventually. I'm not sure when, but I will come back to this series. And since this is what I like to do on, on these comic book coverage episodes anyway, 
I decided to look up the number one song for April 1st, which just happened to be The Box by Roddy Rich or Roddy Rich. Uh, so that's what's going to play us out. When I come back, we will do some feedback. Pulling out the coupe at the lot, told him 12 swat, buzzing all the bells out the box. I just hit a lick with the box, had to put the stick in the box. Mm. Pour up the whole seal, I'ma get lazy. I got the mojo deals, we been trapping like the 80s. So, got the cash out, told him wipe and no, say slash slash. The time is out of joint. The time is out of joint. The time is out of joint. The year is 1994 or 1944 or maybe 2994. Time is under threat and history is falling apart. Who will survive this crisis? And how will history be changed for those that do? Zero Hour Strikes takes you back to that DC Comics crossover and covers the entire story, issue by issue, tie-in by tie-in, as the DC Universe goes down to zero. Join Bass and Siskoid at fireandwaterpodcast.com or on iTunes, Zero Hour Strikes, a proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Remember Legion. Hey everyone, my name is Michael Bailey, and I like Superman. Like, a lot. Like, he's my favorite character. I like him so much that I have podcasted about the Man of Steel more than any other character. Back in 2017, I started a show called It All Comes Back to Superman, to serve as the monthly reaffirmation of my Kryptonian faith. Well, the monthly thing hasn't worked out, but I'm hoping to change that in 2020. This year, there will be at least one episode a month of the show, and most of those will be part of a series I'm calling Superman is for Everybody. Superman is for Everybody springs from my desire to talk to people that have channeled their love and affection for the character into other avenues, like cosplay, or podcasting, or academia. New episodes will drop in the first or second week of the month, with special episodes popping up at random, because that's how I roll, apparently. It all comes back to Superman as part of the Fortress of Bailey-Tude podcasting network, which can be found at www.fortressofbailey2.com. The show is available through Apple Podcasts, the Google Play Store, and it's even on Spotify. It all comes back to Superman. Because really, it does. Give me a few minutes and I'll make the connection. Why are you walking away? I'm not done talking to you yet. Alright, let's get into the feedback. We have an email from Russell Bragg, and he writes, Hello, Charlie. Hello, Russell. Hope all is well with you and yours. Superman 282 is another one in my collection. Wow, three in a row! What a goofy story. Luther needed to contact the hair club for men, even though it wouldn't exist for two more years. Better yet, just get a toupee. Going through the book a little bit, on page two, Wooden Clark thought it weird that Perry knew his name if this was supposed to be their first meeting. Perry called him Kent. On page three, Clark's jacket rips. I couldn't find anything definitive on his identity clothes being indestructible. However, I saw something about Superman having an aura that in essence protected his clothes. Uh, pausing the email for a second. Now, I don't know about that pre-crisis. Post-crisis, he had the aura, 
which protected his Superman costume, but not the cape, and wouldn't have protected his his Clark clothes uh, because it has to be right up against him. Back in these days, I don't know that he had an aura. His Clark Kent clothes had been treated chemically so that when he moved at super speed, they wouldn't get torn up or burn away so that he could make his quick changes and also so he could really compress them down and fold them and fit them in that cape pouch. So that's why I was thinking that they couldn't be ripped or torn either, but obviously they can. And that's also, by the way, why um, all his Superboy or all of his younger Clark sweaters turned red and all of his suits were blue uh, because of the chemicals. Anyway, back to the email. On page seven, Lex Luthor's new duds. Wonder what people thought of the new look that is iconic to us. This is the look I grew up with and was sorry to see it go later in the 80s. On page 8, Luther with Superman's scalp. Boy, is that a creepy look Lex is giving. Giving Luther the benefit of the doubt, maybe he thought Superman was less invulnerable as he grew up. Thus, he could cut the younger Superman and take his scalp. The more I look at it, the crazier it sounds. Yeah, I was, wasn't going to say anything, but yes, he fought Superman when he was younger, even as Superboy, so he would know better. Anyway, I know you didn't talk about the backup story, but Namek was always one of my favorites. I always knew him as a Phantom Zone villain, but in this story, he was never sent to the Zone. However, in a storyline from Superman 311 to 315, Namek finally goes to the Phantom Zone. See, I knew I read about, that, read about him before. Marty Pasco's story told later. Anyway, he next shows up in the Phantom Zone miniseries, with Namek's final appearance being in DC Comics Presents number 97. Which, by the way, you can check out Russell's coverage of that on his show, the DC Comics Presents show. Uh, he covered the entire series of DC Comics Presents, so make sure you check that out. Anyway, in the DCCP story, he goes to the zone right after being captured for his crimes. I don't know if you paid attention to anything in the backup story, but I noticed the stench effects coming off Namek when he changed forms. So he was stinky like the Rondors. All in all, this was a wacky comic. But I am glad you covered it and eagerly await your next selection. Russell Bragg, Clarksburg, West Virginia. Well, thank you, Russell. That's going to do it for this episode. I want to thank you all for listening. Next time, we're going back to Superman. This time, we're jumping way ahead from where we were covering to 1983, in fact. And we're going to start with Action Comics 542, the beginning of a bold new era, or at least a new era for Superman. So make sure you come back in a couple weeks for that. And I will see you then.